Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So as always, there is so much to talk about, and and that's really the absolutely batty thing is that when you have a society that's kind of built on this 24-hour news cycle. It's not that more is happening, or maybe more is happening, but we are acutely aware of it. So whether we're getting it from the television, and people still do watch television, thank goodness, uh, or the radio, uh, or online, uh, there's always information. We're always being bombarded with information, and it's hard because there's such an access to information, it's hard to keep up with everything, but it can also be hard to sift through all the information, all these different stories, and it can be difficult to, I think, kind of discern between what is accurate and what is not. And unfortunately, we have... The Citizen Journalist, and years and years ago, the Citizen Journalist was, I think, really kind of looked down upon, but over time, the Citizen Journalist really was someone that, um, even those who had trained to be journalists came to respect, I mean, depending on, (laughs) of course, uh, you know, content and uh, research that was conducted. And and let's not forget the command of the English language. Today, however, the citizen journalist is really, it's really become, it's become a figure And this whole kind of, this realm of information, I I don't know how else to describe realm, Uh, I don't want to say kingdom, because that's not really the word, but just kind of this realm of information from which we get information. The citizen journalist has become, I think, more of a prominent figure than ever, yet he or she is, is less reputable and is more than ever not very skilled. And I think in the beginning, I think that people, uh, again, you know, they try to mimic what a journalist should do. And, and I thought it was a good thing because it gave people an opportunity to, to be something that they hadn't trained for, um, but they could get experience and they could work at the craft and they could try to really produce content that was informative and educational and even entertaining. And I think, as I said, there came a point where those who had actually gone to school, who were trained in journalism or maybe communications, but journalism in particular, I think uh, they came to respect some of these citizen journalists. But now it's just, (sighs) my goodness, any respect that 
was garnered, that was earned by citizen journalists, I think that this new breed that has has cropped up, it, it really has gone a long ways in diminishing th- this this idea of uh, this democratic idea of just the average Joe Schmo standing up and disseminating information. And that's just, that's so incredibly sad. But that, that, all of that, <laughs> I'm going to talk about in today's show. I also want to talk about information and really how we consume it and what we choose to consume. I also want to get into the idea of integrity. And I'll say this, then we'll go to our disclaimer a little later than usual, but that's okay. Uh, We, I'm not going to say we, because that's not how I am for sure. But there are a lot of people that want to appear good. And if they were as interested in actually being good my goodness, we would be way ahead of the game. But we have a lot of people that want to appear good. They want people to think that they have a strong moral core. They want people to think that they're just very nice. They want people to think that they're upright, when in reality, they're just absolutely wretched. (laughs) And some of them, some of them, some of these people that I have in mind, that fit this profile, they're, they're positively, absolutely, wholly irredeemable. <laughs> it's just, they're just, they're ghastly. They're just horrible people. <laughs> uh, but let's go to that disclaimer. On that note, let's go to a disclaimer. And then when we come back, we're going to dive right on in to tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. So, as I said at the very top of the show, I want to talk about information, um, how it's consumed, how it's spread. So, I mentioned television, uh, dating myself, (laughs) Uh, radio, and of course, you know, online you know, the internet. And the internet, I think, has been a wonderful thing in many respects because it has allowed people like myself to uh, reach an audience. I'm not a trained journalist. And I I would say that I'm someone who kind of tried to get in on the citizen journalist thing But because I had a strong academic background and because of the profession in which I actually trained, I always carried with me that if you say something, if you make an assertion, you have to be able to prove it. You can't just 
say anything you want. You can't just shout into the abyss. It's <clears throat> there is such a thing called truth, right? There is such a thing called facts. And so I think a lot of people today do get their information um, from the Internet. And so a lot of media outlets have made the adjustment, the move, the adaptation, the necessary adaptations. Uh, And then I think that people who, like myself, who had been trying to, shall I say, work in journalism, uh, we, for us, it was less of an adaptation because, again, the internet gave us opportunities and it gave us platforms. Um, But I think we, you know, we've had to adjust too because, you know, there are always new platforms and new features of different social media sites. So, for instance, lives on Facebook. I, (laughs) I'll tell you that when I first heard about lives, and, you know, like everybody else, I heard about it relatively quickly. I mean, I'm often on Facebook, so it wasn't like I found out about lives well after the fact. Uh, I probably was less in tune with what was coming down, you know, the pike. So I might have found out a little bit later <laughs> than maybe some other people. But I would say like most people... I, you know, I readily discovered and quickly discovered lives. But I will say that for the longest time, I said, no, I mean, I'm not going to do this, which sounds kind of funny because, again, I had already been working in citizen journalism. Uh, I had been on radio for quite some time. And I, you know, had written things here and there. So, I think some people might have thought, oh, well, that would be something that would be very useful for you or something that you would naturally gravitate toward. <laughs> and I'll have to be honest, I think that I shied away from lives for quite some time because I thought that it was it was just, what the heck is this? This is just like a vanity <laughs> exercise in vanity. I mean, what is this? I mean, who are these people that are jumping on and doing lives. It's, you know, look at me, listen to me. I said to myself, I don't want to do this. And I have to admit that that changed when I ran for office. When I ran for office in 2020, I met someone and she said, well, you know, you got to start doing lives. And I said, (laughs) okay. And, And I'll tell you that it was, it didn't come naturally to me. Because I, I don't know, I just, there was, there was kind of a, an awkwardness that I felt. And unfortunately, I don't think it was something that really manifested itself, but I, I didn't necessarily feel very comfortable. Um, I haven't done a live in a super long time, super, super, super duper long time. I would say it's probably been about... Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
I want to say like a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, I'm going to get back into it. But, uh, I, I, you know, I now see the utility and I, I, I see that it can be used um, to do something positive. It's not just an exercise in vanity. It's not, you know, a narcissist, uh, a narcissist dream <laughs> or, uh, you know, part of the narcissist toolbox. I mean, it can actually be used to get out timely information. It can be used as a way to kind of say, hello world, I have something to say. So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it has its utility. <laughs> it has its utility, but to kind of return to the to the point at hand, uh, we many of us get get our information from the internet. We do, and there's no shortage of information. Something I also, of course, said at the very top of the show. But I think that with that comes the responsibility, and so I said my training really kind of allowed me to navigate this overwhelming amount of information. And so I would instinctively, when I wanted to discuss something, and and I still do this, of course, I would consult respectable sites. You know, I'm not going to go to... Johnny coming live from his mama's basement. You know, <laughs> you, know I, you want to go to a source, the information of which it can be referred back to confidently. You know, think about it. When you're in school, and again, I come from a strong academic background, they tell you, I mean, these are the sources that you use. Universities, again, I'm dating myself because universities now, they're not exactly uh, <laughs> places uh, from which you can get reliable and useful information. Uh, unfortunately, even uh, the the universities that have long been considered the elite of the elite have become uh, propaganda labs if you will, right? We can talk about that a little bit later in tonight's show as well. But I, you know, consulted the websites of universities, particularly those which were uh, highly respected, that had strong reputations in research. I, you know, used um, the websites of governments, but I would also, you know, take into account what kind of government that I was talking about. You know, obviously, if we're talking about one that, you know, enjoys democratic and free elections, like in the United States, although some people might want to <laughs> debate me on that, uh, the, the United Kingdom, um, parts of the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, Italy, you know, Spain, Portugal, all these different countries. Um, you know, I would say, okay, you know, that's fine. But then if I, you know, the information I can, I can, I can count on it, right? But then if I looked at 
you know, the, a, a website or a source, a, you know, some kind of website that was, say, linked to Iran or Venezuela or if I came across some information that was put out by the government of North Korea. You know, you, you obviously then, you approach that information differently, right? Of course you would, right? But the point is, is that you were responsible and you were ethical because you said that, okay, I work to get a platform well, I have to do something with it that is is going to be, you know, something that people can comfortably refer back to, point to as something that's respectable, right? But today, people will get their information from anywhere. People don't seek out information to learn, to get their questions answered. People start from the premise that they know it all. And so then what they're just simply looking for are other people, websites, newspapers, whatever they can find that can further validate what they already believe. And that's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good at all. And, you know, it's, it's led to this kind of rabbit hole. And it's, it's, it's ever-growing, this rabbit hole. And, and you know, quite frankly... It's, it's, it's an exercise in strength not to be dragged down with it with all of the cave dwellers that, that seek to be right and, and seek to wallow in their intellectual filth. It's, it's just really sad. It, it really is. Because with all this information... It's not like we're smarter. It's not like we're more eager to learn. It's not like we feel that we carry a greater responsibility when we're disseminating this information. It's all about being right. And as I said, it's all about validation of what we already believe because we're not looking to learn anything. We're not looking to be challenged. Oh, we're definitely not looking to be challenged. And so when you have that, that kind of mindset, when, when, when you're in that kind of climate, I think it's, it's very easy for extremism to take root. And I certainly have a lot of problems with the political left, uh, particularly the far left. I think that the far left has really gone off the rails and I'm not making any excuses for the extremism that has developed on the political right. 
But certainly, I think that there are a lot of people that otherwise have been reasonable, that otherwise were reasonable, and they're reacting to the lunacy that they see coming from the left. And so they, unfortunately, they themselves become a bit nutty themselves. So it's 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 sad. So people who try to be sane and people who try to be a voice of reason, it's difficult for them to be heard. It's difficult for them to get oxygen, right? And so this thing on the right has become a race to the bottom. This this thing about being heard and about being seen. Because it's not about being smart. And it's not about being productive. And it's, heaven knows, it's not about offering an alternative to that lunacy, to that insanity on the political left. It, it's... Um, <laughs> it's about showing off and it's about being louder because the louder the better, right? And there, there's a word that the political right has, has picked up, based. And so when you are based, that means you don't care what anyone thinks. You're going to say whatever it is you have to say. And you're going to say whatever it is you have to say, and you're going to take delight in saying things that really, quite honestly, not too long ago would have shocked most people. And shocking people, oh my goodness, the more people that are shocked, the more people that are turned off, the more people that are disgusted, the more people that are outraged. Well, the better it is for those people who are based. And the internet has given them a huge boost, right? But let me tell you a little something about these people who are based. I actually went to meet one. I did over the weekend. So this person's name is Lori Kaufman. And Lori happens to be Jewish. And I mention that because that is, that is relevant to what I'm going to say next. So Lori Kaufman is, she's a despicable human being. She's absolutely despicable. She's someone who proudly describes herself as being based. She talks about not liking Hitler, but loving Hitler. And... She describes Jewish people as those who would end civilization as we know it. And those are just some of of the rantings, ramblings, expressions of degeneracy, (laughs) intellectual and moral degeneracy that this woman expresses. But let me tell you something. When I met her in person, oh, it was completely different. It was, <laughs> let me tell you something. And, and the reason why I mentioned Lori is because she's politically active. Well, sadly, she's a Republican. 
And I have to say, I am very, very proud to have Amy Carnavali as the chair of the Republican Party. I am buoyed and I am... My feelings of concern regarding the Republican Party in this state, regarding the Republican Party's uh, willingness to take a stand with the Jewish community, uh, my concerns have been greatly assuaged um, because Amy Carnavali, without any prodding, in the wake of the vicious terrorist attack on Israel carried out by Hamas on an ongoing genocidal mission against not just Israel, those who, who live in Israel. And, and that's what people need to understand about Hamas is it doesn't matter if someone is Jewish or not. If that person, if there's a person who is in Israel who who is Israeli, Hamas, for you, Hamas is, is, is a target. For that person, Hamas is a, uh, I'm sorry, for that person, Hamas considers that person a target. There we go. So sorry, it's been a long day. And certainly with all the anti-Semites, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say something that, that they can use. Um, you know, if you live in Israel, you're a target for Hamas. Okay, maybe I said that right the first time. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. It's been an incredibly long day, so forgive me. Uh, you are, um, you, I mean, it's, you're diseased. You're, you're horrible. You have to be eliminated. And it's not like Hamas really makes a distinction between Israeli Jews and Israeli Christians or Israeli Muslims. Really, it's... Hamas looks at Israel as, you know, the Jewish state has to eliminate it. Uh, It has to be eliminated. And honestly, it's not just Israel. It's, It's as an extension, as a ready extension of that, Hamas wants to eliminate Jews around the world. And... You know, it, it's it's amazing to me. I, I will go off on a, a little bit of a digression here. It's amazing to me that you have people that would defend Hamas, that you would have people that would call them a freedom, you know, call them freedom fighters, uh, would say that Hamas, you know, they were provoked. And, and, and what would you do if your land was occupied? And, and what would you do if you were oppressed? It, it's It's just... It's heinous. It's horrible. It's, I mean, to say it's crazy, I mean, we we use that word too much, crazy. You know, everything is crazy. If someone does something that's horrible, shocking, depraved, we call that person crazy, right? When in fact, a person is not necessarily crazy, doesn't necessarily need to be crazy to do something twisted or barbaric, and I think that people who try to defend Hamas, I do think that's twisted. I do think that's depraved. You are justifying, you are defending 
homicidal, genocidal, anti-Semitic thugs. That's what you're doing. People have no problem with that. A lot of people have, (laughs) apparently there are a number of people who have no problem with that. But to get back to the to the, to the main point of, of this of this segment, we're talking about someone who's base. So Lori is proudly base. So I went to she had a, a campaign event. It was like a, it was a campaign kickoff. She was on Saturday. And so I went. And I actually thought that I was going to be late because I was going to miss her. Because it started at 7.30. I was, I'm trying to think where I was you know, early in the day. Uh, it might have been just one of those days where I just kind of was, you know, laying low, wasn't feeling, not, not necessarily not feeling well, but it was just kind of like <laughs> recovering from the week, the work week. Um, but I really wanted to go to this because I really wanted to see how Lori would be in person. Right. She's got all kinds of mouth. She's big. She's bad. She's based. And so get there. It's two hours after the event had kicked off. So I was like, okay, it might, mm, <laughs> she might not be there. It turned out she was. And so I went right up to her. I said, hello. So she looked at me and she said, Hello. I'm Laurie Kaufman. And I said, I know who you are. And the look on her face, the look in her eyes, she was just absolutely delighted. Like, oh, you know who I am? My goodness. Oh, that's that's awesome. And she was probably thinking, I'm pretty sure she was thinking, my goodness, could this be a kindred spirit? A like-minded individual? So, you know, of course, after I said I know who you are, she, you know, fairly quickly followed that up with, well, what's your name? I said, Rachel Meiselman. (laughs) And it was so funny how she reacted. Uh, Her head kind (laughs) of, she pulled it back and the way she looked at me and like the look in her eyes, like completely changed and she's like, oh, you are, you know, you are Israel first. And so she asked me, oh, you, you think that Israel should be placed before America? Your loyalties are to Israel, which, of course, is an anti-Semitic trope. And it is the idea is to embarrass you, to diminish you, to denigrate you for supporting Israel. Ain't going to happen, chicky. So, so it's, I, you know, I have every right to support Israel. I have every right to be a Zionist. Uh, I am very proud to be a Zionist. And I'm certainly not going to let someone, particularly someone who thinks Hitler uh, was wonderful, tell me how to feel about myself and about my beliefs. And, you know, she tried to... You know, she tried to get me to say, oh, well, you know, I place Israel before the United States. I'm an American. I'm a proud American. I'm a, I'm a very proud 
American. I'm fiercely proud to be American. I love my country. I was born and bred here. But being wholeheartedly supportive of Israel, being a Zionist doesn't make me any less American. And I'm certainly, like I said, I'm certainly not going to let her or anyone else tell me differently. So I, you know, I was polite (laughs) and I was pretty, you know, unflappable. And so that angered her and it wasn't long, you know, within like, I'd say two or three minutes of that. She told me that I was a disgrace. I am a disgrace to Jews, which is kind of hilarious, right? Because you're talking about someone, again, who extols Hitler. So you're a Jew extolling Hitler. And by the way, she talks about how she found Jesus. Okay, that's, that's you know, that's... If she were someone who found purpose and reason in another faith, that would be one thing. But you're talking about loving Jesus, how Jesus is king, but you hate Jews. I don't get that. Worshiping Jesus, looking at Jesus as God, that has nothing to do with hatred of the Jews at all. And, of course, Jesus was a Jew. And, and certainly, I don't understand how you can be a Christian and, and not only profess to hating Jews, but also loving someone like Hitler, who was just, was he, he wasn't a horrible person. He was an evil person. So it's, it would, you're no Christian, Lori. But it's funny for me because she still calls herself a Jew, and she tells me that I'm a disgrace to Jews. And it's like, you know what? You're ridiculous. Your your reasoning in this respect is is ridiculous. Your reasoning elsewhere is is morally repugnant and repulsive. <laughs> um, but she told me that I was a disgrace to Jews. She told me that I was a disgrace to the Republican Party, and I'm a disgrace to America. And so, you know, I, I have to say, you know, how, how is it that I'm a disgrace to the Republican Party? What exactly has she done to grow the Republican Party right here? And it's, it's hilarious because you, you have someone who's running for the Republican State Committee. And Amy Carnevale not only has Amy Carnevale not only— under her leadership, has the Massachusetts Republican Party come out in support of Israel having the right to exist and having the right to defend herself. Amy and the entirety of the the state committee, although I think that there were certain people who were driving it, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think that everybody on the state committee saw the scene and, and it's, it's sad to say, but I don't think everyone on the state committee understood or reacted with the same urgency of of uh, pushing for a resolution to condemn Lori Kaufman. Um, but Lori Kaufman was condemned roundly, without equivocation, for her, her for her hatefulness 
and specifically for her anti-Semitism. And I thought that that was wonderful because we can't have that. And, and no part of society, and certainly not in politics, where for all the bad that is associated with politicians, and I think in most, re- in most respects, very rightly so, it nevertheless remains an avenue that if we're to travel upon it, we have the opportunity to affect great, wonderful, substantive change that will move us all forward in the right direction. Right? So we can't have hatefulness, anti-Semitism in particular, any kind of bigotry, but here we have, of course, anti-Semitism. We can't have it in any part of society, and we certainly can't have it. We can't have it uh, in politics. We can't. We just simply can't. Um. You know, but I got to say, it's amazing to me that there have been some people that until very recently supported Lori Kaufman and the former chairman of the party, Jim Lyons, supported the idea of Lori Kaufman's candidacy as recently as August. And would we in December? I don't think that. Lori was so different between August and December. I mean, she who she is, she's been like this for quite some time. And you have the former chair of the party who supported her. That's, I just, who, who was, you know, supportive of, of the idea of her candidacy for the state committee. That's... That that's that's grotesque. That's horrible. And it's 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 not who the Republican it's not what the Republican Party's about. It's not what the Democratic Party's about. This this is about a horrible this base person. And and I say base, not based. <laughs> a base just really disgusting human being. And, and unfortunately, they sometimes make their way, as I said, uh, into politics. And she's certainly, of course, someone who, you know, gets her information from any source, no matter how disreputable, to confirm her beliefs that are as I've described, are absolutely twisted. And, you know, the idea that you have someone like her standing up to be a leader, again, it's just, it's, this isn't something that we, we, we can have, that we should tolerate. And that people, some people are only now condemning her 
Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Because it's about, for some of these people, the idea of other people looking at them and thinking they're not good. And that gets back to something I said earlier in the show, that you have people who are not concerned about being good. They're not certainly not concerned about doing good. It's all about looking and appearing good. I want to, as we kind of shift, we wind down, um, I want to talk about the party that received international news here in Boston, and it was the party for electeds of color. So electeds of color... um, holiday party you know that i mean that's what it was it was it was it was a holiday party for people of color and someone in the woo administration accidentally hit it uh you know hit the send button to people that weren't of color now the only reason how the press whether local national or international knows about it is because it was leaked. And I don't know why that, (laughs) I don't understand that. I, I don't because this is a party that has been going on for 10 years. And undoubtedly the same person who leaked it presumably didn't have a problem with the party last year. Otherwise, we would heard something last year. But because it was accidentally sent to everybody, one scuzzball saw an opportunity. And I describe the individual as a scuzzball because that's what the individual is. And for the last, what year are we, 2023, for the last couple years, the city of Boston has been subjected to the baseness, and we're really working that word base. We have people who call themselves based. We have, uh, I describe people as being base, and then I'm using the noun baseness, the, the just the ugliness. <laughs> It's, but we we have a situation now. We have a climate that has been fostered by a couple of people in particular. One of whom works in City Hall, and the idea is, well. We're going to get to where we have to go, uh, where we believe that we deserve to be. And however we get there, well, the ends justify the means. And so we've been subjected to a number of leaks. And my thing is this. I don't have a problem with ambition. I do have a problem with people being sleazy. 
I do have a problem with that. And I think that if someone has a problem with Michelle Wu or anybody else, speak up and slap your name on it. Period. Because if you're doing this stuff anonymously, and this is just the latest stunt, this is the latest leak in a long line of, this is all politically motivated, plain and simple. And so the narrative is that Michelle Wu is a racist and, you know, she's woke. And and, and the thing is, the climate is such that, you know, people people are tired of being bullied or feeling bullied or feeling less, feeling diminished. And so they are now speaking up and they're reacting. And so the timing of this accident was perfect for those that would exploit the anger and the frustration and the resentment that people Quite honestly, a lot of whom, they're right to feel like this because any progress that we've tried to make in being inclusive, we've, we've done it horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. And what I loved was you had, you have this, uh, this bottom feeder. And uh, speaking of based, so this woman who calls herself the based mother, and of course she's not from Boston, not, not doesn't live here, doesn't even live anywhere in the Commonwealth, but, you know, like a lot of people in different parts of the country, and, and as I said, you know, in other parts of the world, you know, in, in the U.K., I know in the UK they were talking about this, like in England in particular, they were they were talking about. It. I was looking at, you know, different um, journals and newspapers and publications, and you know, I have some friends. Pe- you know, people people were talking about this. They were upset, but I actually had a friend in Singapore who heard about it. So, you know, it was like, what what's going on in Boston? But I love that you have people who leaked this, and then you have people who know about the leak, and their position was they just incorporated elements of the truth after the fact. So let me explain that. So, again, this elected electeds of color holiday party is not new. It's been going on for 10 years, right? No one would have said a peep. No one did say a peep when it was taking place under Marty Walsh, right? And the woman who ran against Anissa, um, against Michelle Wu, Anissa Sabi George, you know, in the mayoral election, uh, when it was for November, the, the field, the mayoral field was winnowed down to two candidates. And so you had Anissa Sabi George and uh, Michelle Wu. And Anissa Sabi George was laughably painted as a moderate when she's she's no moderate. Uh, and I guess some people would have even tried to call her conservative, which is, is even a bigger laugh. She's center-left. And she's someone who did more than flirt with, with the far left, 
right? Some some members now who some members of uh, the, the the far left. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So Anissa, who identifies, uh, some people have accused her of uh, opportunistically identifying as a woman of color. Anissa is is half Polish and half Tunisian. I, you know, I never, when when she was running for mayor and identified as a woman of color, I didn't weigh in on her identification, her self-identification during the mayoral race because I, I you know, I just, I thought <clears throat> there are other things that I want to focus on. And, you know, she is... She is half Tunisian, and you know she's you know half Arab, and she can she actually considers herself Arab, you know, not part Arab, but Arab, and it's uh, you know I I didn't feel at least in that point in time that I had the right to say you're not a woman of color. I, I you know if she if she were someone who. I mean, you have people who say, well, you know, my great-great-grandfather was, was black, so I'm black. You know, and, that, and, and in an instant like that, you might have people say something. Um, you know, I would maybe say something, but even then I would structure what I say. But, I mean, you know, Anissa, you know, her father, I understand, was an immigrant from the northern part of the African continent, from Tunisia. Again, she's half Tunisian. Um, so that wasn't something that I wish to, to, to comment on. Um, for me, it was about her record, and it was about... I mean, that she was pushing her identity as hard as she was. Maybe that was something that I had a couple of words to say about but her calling herself a woman of color, I mean, that, I mean, it's, it's I don't think, I mean, personally, I don't think it's untrue. <laughs> I don't think it's untrue. And, uh, you know, that, that was her right and her business, okay? And the reason why I say all that is because as she identifies as a woman of color, she went to one of these parties. She actually hosted it. So I'm just kind of confused how Michelle Wu is this horrible person for hosting a party that has been going on for 10 years and the same people that are trying to rake her over the coals were completely behind Anissa Sabi George, who not only attended one of these parties herself, but even hosted one. And let me get back to uh, the point of people, you know, filling in the truth, you know, elements of the truth after the fact. So the fact that, again, this wasn't a one-off party, that this, you know, had become a holiday, or has become a holiday tradition. So that and then 
because of that, like, well, then why is it such a big deal? Okay, well, then you have people who support the leak, which is reprehensible, um, you know, trying to talk about, well, I guess, well, you know, because it, it was sent out accidentally. And you had this, I started to talk about this woman, uh, she calls herself the based mother. And I don't, I know she's not based in another sense of the word, of course, uh, here in Massachusetts. And sometimes you have the people who feel the need to comment the most about Massachusetts or Boston. They, they have nothing to do with, you know, either the state or the city. Um, her thing is, like, she'll call people up. And so she called up Erin Murphy's office, Boston City Councilor Murphy's office, and I don't know if it was her chief of staff or one of her other staffers, who, you know, answered questions and, you know, the woman said, oh, well, you know, Erin Murphy, she, you know, she, you know, she's got a brain, you know, she's got a moral compass. All I know is that Erin Murphy didn't need to weigh in. That's all I know. If her office didn't agree with it, okay. Then why didn't you say something about it last year or the year before? Right. Because I listened to what one of her staffers said. And as I said, you know, there was mention made of how this isn't the first year that it's gone on and that, well, I guess it's news because it was accidentally sent. Okay, But really, did you really have to do an impromptu interview with this woman? We don't need this element. We don't need this kind of <sighs> amplification of something that never should have taken place, and that's the leaking. I'm actually going to talk more about this um, because that really disturbs me, the leaking of this information. But that's this is all I have time for tonight. Um, I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.